So this week I'm going to continue in the series of declarations and we're going to talk specifically about how you can transform your life and change your life through the words that you speak. And probably the most famous um, part of the Bible about words is James chapter 3. So I'm going to be dipping in and out of James chapter 3 to lay a foundation uh, around words and how words are powerful, powerful things for transformation. James chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. James, right from the beginning, is saying that the words that we choose to use can guide our whole life that he's talking about you can keep your whole life in check. You can direct the whole of your life through the words that you choose to speak. Then he says in verse 3, when we put bits, you know the bits they put in horses, those little bits of metal, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we can make make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they can be steered by a very, very small rudder wherever the pilot, the captain, wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And so you can see right in the beginning of James that James the writer is saying that you can steer, you can direct, you can captain your life, you can pilot your life, you can lead your life through the words that you say. It's a really powerful, powerful principle. And then he talks about how we know that can happen in the negative. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. And so he takes this these images of devastation, of destruction, that were set on fire by a single word. And he wants us to be fully persuaded and fully convinced that though the tongue is a tiny part of the body, it has this enormous power. And I think we're all convinced of Proverbs 18.21 where it says, death is in the power of the tongue. But it also says life is in the power of the tongue. So James is talking here and saying, look, I want you to be aware on the negative side that the tongue, the words you speak, the words you say, the negativity you express is actually dangerous and and could be destructive. And one small word can, can cause pain and hike and ruin. But also the Bible talks about that life is in the power of the tongue. And I think from experience, we're all fully convinced and fully persuaded that it's in the negative. Yeah, the tongue has great power. When we talk to people and and maybe people express the pain that's in their heart, often it's because of something somebody said to them. There's often pain because of a, a rejecting word 
or a word that left them feeling smaller, or a word that undermined their view of themselves and their identity. Um, Maybe it was words of criticism when they felt particularly vulnerable. Um, We all know from experience that words can have this destructive power. We've, We've all discovered, haven't we, that we think, if I vent what I'm feeling, that is somehow going to change everything. But how many of you experienced in the expressing of negativity and hopelessness and despair, how many of you have ever come on the other side with a mood that's transformed? Uh, it, from experience, we know that even venting and expressing and, um, and processing negative thoughts with people can leave our mood more reinforced by negativity than it was before. And we also know that it's really contagious, that one small spark of hopelessness or anger or negativity or fear spoken can be contagious and suddenly the whole conversation, maybe in the staff room or or in the meeting or in your family, can suddenly become completely negative. It's like the words we speak reinforce our mood. And I'm not talking about the denial of reality. The Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. It doesn't say, let the weak deny that I'm weak. It says, let the weak speak a higher and a superior reality. Actually, I'm weak, but in him I'm strong. It's not a denial. Abraham, when he had the promise of Isaac, didn't deny that he, that his body, or Sarah's body, was as good as dead, and that he was really old. He didn't deny truth. He didn't deny facts, and yet in hope against all hope, he believed God, and believed that God could make something out of nothing. And so, we're not talking about becoming word police, and we're not talking about you're never able to express and talk through the reality of what's going on. There is a time and a place to process how you're feeling. There's a time and a place for honesty and authenticity and vulnerability to communicate in words, this is what happened, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm facing. But we are talking about if we get stuck there and never move on to speak words of faith, we are just going to reinforce the mood that we're experiencing. In fact, science is now catching up with the Bible and finding out that the more we repeat a negative idea, a negative viewpoint, a negative identity statement, the more that viewpoint becomes um, ingrained and reinforced in our thinking, and then we find that that's the thing we easily call uh, default mode two. It's like our brain is a computer. (laughs) And the default mode, when we only speak negativity and hopelessness and despair, and we never come to biblical conclusions about ourselves, is actually to reinforce that thought pattern. And so, the Bible says that death is in the power of the tongue, but also life is in the power of the tongue. And this is an interesting thing that I find when we talk about these things, is, like I've said, we are fully convinced and fully persuaded from experience that death is in the power of the tongue. We know that. We know about the powerful person who walks in the staff room and starts to speak fear and negativity and how it changes the whole atmosphere of the room. We know that. But I think we're not fully convinced of its opposite, that life is in the power of the tongue. I think that's where we... we, It's like we've been convinced of the death part and we know the devastation part, but we're not fully persuaded that life is in the power of the tongue too. Because the Bible is saying 
both is death is in the power of the tongue and life is in the power of the tongue. That the tongue has disproportionate power out of all proportion to its size in the body, it has disproportionate power to shape us, direct us, and set our course. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful tool. What we say, what we articulate, what we speak. And we need to be fully persuaded. Life is in the power of the tongue. That you can change your whole life by changing what you say. We talked about that last week. Renew the mind. Let me say something to you if you're not a believer here. It is true that these principles will work whether or not you know Jesus or not. But it won't unlock the, uh, the power that comes through the new birth if you don't know Jesus. That a person can choose who doesn't know Jesus to um, start to appreciate and be thankful and be grateful and to speak those things and they can just rewire their brain because they can make the spirit, the law of the spirit that what we sow we reap that can make them work for them. A non-believer can do that. But a non-believer cannot tap into and unleash through their words and the renewed mind, the reality that they have been born again of the Spirit and have a brand new nature within them and a heart of stone has been given uh, and replaced to a heart of flesh and that they're now um, connected to God and God has made them their home. It's the renewed mind and our words that unleash the spiritual reality that through Christ, that Christ is in us and we're in Christ and we're seated with him in heavenly places. These things get unlocked by our words. The person who doesn't know Christ without that transition from darkness to light, from, from death to life, from being outside to being inside, to being under God's wrath, to being under his mercy. Unless you know those transitions, these principles will do something for you, but they won't unlock the full power of what's available. So we mustn't underestimate the power of words. In fact, if you're stuck in any disposition and mindset, you need to look at your words. If you're stuck in negativity or hopelessness or despair, you need to become a student of your words. You need to go to the university of words, make an inventory of your conversations, listen to your own voice. What am I saying? What's it saying about the state of my heart? From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth is the quickest exit for temptation. It's the quickest exit. It's the quickest exit to express anger or or, or negativity or hopelessness or despair or a negative self-image and not seeing ourselves as God sees us. The mouth is the quickest exit. And so if you want to change any part of your life, if you want to see transformation in any part of your life, you need to cooperate with the law of the spirit, which is the law of words. It's, it's, it says in the Bible, we reap what we sow. And if you plant a seed that's an apple tree, you will get an apple tree. It's the law of nature. If your words are um, coming out with hopelessness and despair and anger and frustration and irritation... And you think, where's all that coming from? You need to change the seed. 
the, the, the crop, the harvest that's coming out of your mouth is because you planted a seed in the ground of those kind of thoughts and those kind of things. So if you want to change any part of your life, you need to tap into the reality. Life is in the power of the tongue. Life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, love the revelation that life is in the power of the tongue, eat its fruits. You can change the fruit of your life through your words. That the tongue has extraordinary influence for life. You can rewire your brain through your words. But more importantly, you can unlock the reality that you are a new creation in Christ. It can manifest powerfully through changing your words about how you view words about God, words about yourself, words about others, words about your circumstance. Transform everything you say about those things and it will become transformatory in all of those areas. Do you believe me? Are you connecting it with faith? Because otherwise, without faith, you can just change what you say and it won't do anything. Because you've got to believe that in making declarations, in speaking biblical reality, that you're co-laboring with a godly biblical principle. It's got to resonate with faith. It has to be declarations like, I do everything in faith. I'm speaking new thoughts, new ideas about myself and others and circumstances by faith. Because I've heard in the Bible it says you reap what you sow and I'm co-laboring with God and I'm going to have a harvest from the words that come out of my mouth. And so James says, yeah, a forest can be set on fire. It can create all this corruption and devastation. What? is the opposite reality in the world of the kingdom. Because we know that. We've experienced that. We see that all around us. There's an aspect that Plumstead and the area is shaped by negative conclusions and words that people say about the area. It comes out in the way that people treat people in shops and what their expectations are of people in shops and how they speak about the future of an area. Imagine believing believers whose words match what they believe. And so if a forest can be set on fire by one spark, imagine hope-filled believers speaking biblical hope wherever they go. What kind of forest would be set on fire? How countercultural would that be? That when you go in the staff room, the office, wherever you work, And the words that you speak are seasoned with love and salt and they bring healing and they bring life. You could transform the whole atmosphere of a whole department by being the biggest hope speaker in the whole area. If in the negative, one man or woman can become contagious in the negative, and we already know people that we've worked with, imagine a hopeful believer and what they can do. Not that they become the word police and go, no, 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 you can't speak that. No, we're not telling anybody what to do. Let's start by telling ourselves what to do. Holy Spirit gives the gift of self-control. It's not our job to become the word police, but it is our job to think, my words can set a a fire. I could spark something here. And so words can create. Words can create. God created the world 
He imagined it and thought it, and then he created it by speaking. Words can create. If a negative word can create a negative stronghold, then even more true is a prophetic word in line with, with God can create a spark and revive somebody. You can change someone's life by intentional speaking. You can change your own life by intentional speaking. Do you believe that? Life is in the power of the tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21. This is not psychobabble. James says you can set a, you can pilot your whole life. You can keep your whole body in check by your words. Sometimes we find ourselves in a location in our lives and we think, how did I get here? Retrace your words. I never seem to move on. I'm always stuck here. Retrace your words. Words can spark. Words can revive. Words can create courage. Words can give freedom. Words can give momentum. When we're doing treasure hunting and someone says, I don't want you to pray for me. We get a sneaky God bless you in. Because that's unleashing something. God bless you. Let the whole weight of who God is be upon your household and be on your life and be on your business and be on your health and be on your relationships and be on your family. Let the whole weight of the good father be upon you. We're going to speak a sneaky God bless you in. Whatever you go, something is going to be given to you. You can unlock potential. How many of you had a teacher who said, you're really good at that? Or a parent says, you're really good at that. Words unlock it. Am I? Wow. Speaking encouragement. What's the prophetic? It comforts. It encourages. Encouragement. Giving courage. That the prophetic is really just encouragement on fire. It's seeing what the Holy Spirit sees. It's seeing the assessment of God. It's seeing what God sees about that person. Timothy, it says in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, Fight, Timothy, according to what? The prophecies that were spoken about you. The words that were spoken about you. The things that God said about you. Fight with those. Remember those. Recall those. Speak those out, Timothy. Recall the prophetic word, recall the assessment, recall the things that God has said about you and speak them out. What you say carries weight. That's the most important thing from these verses. Do you believe that the words you say carry weight? They carry weight. They carry weight in your family. They carry weight in your parenting. They carry weight in your marriage. They carry weight in the workplace. They carry weight in a community. can change a whole area. People who get hope and joy through the renewal of the mind, becoming those who honestly believe what he says in the Bible, experiencing that on a heart level. Do not settle for religious treadmills or just going through the motions. Say, no, 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 you said... 
Those who know the truth, experience the truth, will be made free. And my words are going to then line up with who I am and I'm going to speak them out. So declarations, but what I mean by declarations is the things that we say. It's saying something over our lives, it's declaring, it's speaking out, it's co-laboring with God. Declarations harness the power of words. So for example, this is a card that has a 20 cans of success. And so to harness the power of words, you could get a card like this, and you could say, right, I'm going to line myself up with the assessments of God, the Good Father. I'm going to line myself up with heaven. One of the declarations is this, why should I say I can't, when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? So I'm hearing something, I'm becoming beautiful feet to myself, I'm harnessing the power of words. And so it starts with a faith um, connection, my words direct me, pilot me, steer me, control me, lead me into godly direction. Now I'm going to harness that, I'm going to take the power of that and speak it. Why should I lack when I know that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? I'm going to declare that. I'm not going to have half an hour worrying about the need of provision. Instead, I'm going to declare what the Bible says about provision. Hmm. Why should I worry and fret when I can cast all my anxiety onto Christ Who cares for me? Sometimes our prayer life is worrying out loud. (laughs) That's all it is. We're like three-year-old children griping and moaning. And God says in his love, listen, I've listened to every moan. I've listened to every groan and I love you. I've listened to it all. But your prayer life is a revelation of your maturity. So we accept it when it's a little child, a toddler... We want to grow into full maturity. So we don't want half an hour where our prayers are just worrying and fretting. How many of you have found yourself in that kind of habit of prayer and then come out more exhausted than you went in? And said, actually, I was better off not praying. I would have been better off not talking at all. Because all I've done is I've spoken with my mouth and reinforced negative strongholds of hopelessness when what I really needed to do was align myself with biblical truth. Yeah, come on. Why should I ever be in bondage knowing that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? Why should I feel condemned when the Bible says I am not condemned because I'm in Christ? Wow, that's a great word to say when you wake up in the morning. People generally go to bed with this thought, I didn't get enough done, and wake up in the morning with, I didn't get enough sleep. (laughs) They're the kind of bookends of our average thinking. Or, I didn't do enough yesterday for him to love me today, which is um, ridiculous when he said it's finished and I've done absolutely everything needed for you to become a son or daughter of the king. So why should I feel condemned? Get that into your head, I'm going to hear this. When the Bible says I'm not condemned because I'm in Christ. Why should I feel accursed? Or that I am a victim of bad luck when the Bible says that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law that I might receive his spirit. Why should I be discontented when I, like Paul, can learn to be content in all my circumstances? Why should I have a persecution complex 
knowing that nobody can be against me when God is for me. So we want a declaration for every area of our life. Whatever God's doing and whatever God's saying to you, when the team were here two weeks ago, whatever prophetic words that you received from them, whatever encouragement, turn it into a declaration. Turn it into a declaration. Whenever you hear a quote that you think, wow, God's all over that quote, turn it into a declaration. I loved when I heard David Hesler say this, one moment with the Father, one moment of his favour, can, can do more than a lifetime of striving. So I turn that into a declaration. I declare that today, one moment with the Father, one moment with your favour, God, can do more than a lifetime of my striving. So you, you become beautiful feet to yourself. Because the Bible says that faith comes, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you want to become the biggest speaker of good news that you possibly can. So that your tongue, your words are taking you where you want to do it, where you want to go. Because you want to go to that place where you're trusting and fully persuaded. Why should I feel like a failure? When I'm a conqueror in all things through Christ. Why should I be depressed when I can recall to mind God's loving kindness, compassion and faithfulness and have hope? Why would I choose hopelessness when I can choose hope today? Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace and gives me knowledge through his indwelling spirit? You declare things. You, you, you speak over yourself. You, you declare it and you lead yourself somewhere. And this isn't kind of pie in the sky. Just going to say, you're lining up with, the, with God's promises. You're lining up with God's covenants. You're lining up with what God says. And you're saying, I'm harnessing the power, the spiritual power of words to take me where I want to go in you, God, and where you are taking me. So as we hear good news, the Holy Spirit convinces us and convicts us and transforms us. And so we're moving from, I'm trying to read the Bible because if I read enough of the Bible, maybe he'll accept me. We've moved from that legalism to, I know I'm already accepted. Now I'm reading the Bible to explore and investigate and understand everything he's already given me. So I'm not doing it as a religious treadmill to impress him. I'm already in the beloved. I started as a winner before the race began. Before the gun even went off, I got a gold medal. Because I was awarded the righteousness and the finished work and the reward of Jesus. So I was on the line and suddenly I'm in the ceremony. Gold medal. But I haven't even run yet. That's exactly the point. Because he did everything to make you a winner and more than a conqueror. And make you accepted in the beloved. Now you're going to run from victory, not for victory. You're running from favour, not for favour. You're running from acceptance, not to try and get acceptance. Now I'm free to explore all these wonderful benefits that are mine in Christ. Yeah. And so we cultivate our hearts through declarations. We speak we speak, and then the author of faith has something to work with. Yes. So sometimes we come into the, our time with God, and we're so anxious and worried and troubled, and we just regurgitate all that to him. And he's saying, please, I want something to work with. I'm the author of faith. 
I love you, and I need you sometimes to do that, because you need to process, you need to be real, and you need to be honest, you need to be authentic with me, but we do need to move on, because I want to cultivate an awful faith in you. And so as I'm hearing good news, as my feet bring me good news, Holy Spirit gets hold of those declarations and begins to ignite faith and belief and assurance and confidence because I'm becoming the biggest speaker of good news in my own life. And so the Holy Spirit through relationship begins to cultivate self-control and causes self-control to manifest in every part of our lives including our words. Because some of you might have thought, I've read verse 9 of James, and it says, No one can tame the tongue, Jamie. It says all kinds of animals in verse 7. Birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no, no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. You know, I... I we clearly know that that's not the truth, because the Holy Spirit, not that's not the truth. The conclusion about that cannot be that it's impossible to change our words. Because the Holy Spirit, says in Galatians 5, gives us self-control. It really means that, by tamed, it means that, it's, it means that you can never come to a place where you think, I've now got the tongue completely under control. It means that sometimes we need to watch ourselves when we're tired and when we're hungry. It just means that it's like a panther that lives in a flat. Someone did that in New York, had a big cat living in their flat. And it might look domesticated, but it's not tamed. And it's a wild animal and it could eat you alive. So James is saying... It cannot be tamed in the sense of, well, you can just lean back and say, well, we've got my words sorted now. It's not that we're on this tender hooks of fear, but we're just saying, actually, my tongue at any point, when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when you're super successful, another vulnerability moment, when it's really going well, you can suddenly find yourself talking elevated about people and proud. So he's saying, be careful, the tongue can't be tamed, but the Holy Spirit can give you self-control and you can be perfect in all you say. Do you believe that? You can grow in these areas. And so, to conclude, if you imagine now, where is my life going to be like in five years' time? Yeah. What's Jesus going to be doing through me? What kind of kingdom advance is going to be coming through my life? What's my family going to look like? What's my workplace going to look like? What's the community of this area going to be like in five years' time? We begin to imagine and we begin to say, in five years' time, I want to see a demonstrative healing by Jesus Christ in the high street. I want to see people coming to know Jesus as we go out. And so, if we begin to imagine where we want to be, I want to see people transformed and set free. I want to see the atmosphere in my workplace move from this contagious fear to hope 
and see more people become full of hope and joy. When I think about us as a community, I, I want to see us so full of hope and joy that it becomes ridiculous, <laughs> uncontainable, undammable, uncontrollable. And so, and then I want to see it leak out and leak out so that when we get, ever we go, we're so full of belief and hope in God that we're bringing joy and hope and transformation and that you guys are just leading people to Jesus all over the place and that the veils on our minds just get lifted. We realise, wow, this is who I am and I'm in him and he's in me and I'm seated in heavenly places and wherever I go, I carry authority and when I lack wisdom, I can ask for wisdom and he gives wisdom. I can bring that to everywhere I go. In yeah. the companies I work for. I want us to have that kind of hope. And then when someone says, it's impossible, we get excited because we just love impossible things because we have a God of the impossible. When the impossible appears logical, you know you're getting a renewed mind. And when you, when you hear impossible things and you think, no one could do that, no one can change that, you think, wow, this is the kind of thing I love. Can I pray into that? Can I... It's going to come through the renewed mind. That... We're on such an adventure with Jesus. We're just loving him and enjoying moments with him. That our time, personal time with him, is saturated with this deep love and connection. And we just know he loves us in a deeper and deeper way. And then when we come together, wow. If we want to be there in five years' time, then our words that we speak have to align with that now. Because James says you can take your life wherever you want to go. You can pilot your life. You can pilot your life. So my words need to align with what God says. So as I'm going treasure hunting, no one wants to go treasure hunting and doing evangelism if you think, oh, no one's going to get saved today, and no one's going to get healed today. Oh, can we come? No, you want to say, no, today's a good day for a miracle. Today's a good day for someone to get saved, someone to get healed, a breakthrough to happen, someone to get life prophesied over them, someone to get their hope back and their joy back. Someone to be brought out of darkness and brought into life. This can happen today. And so you align your words. He says, I'm going to see myself through God's eyes. How does God see me? God, the angel comes to Gideon and says, mighty man of valor. That's how I see you. Mighty warrior. Mighty conqueror. And then he gives an argument. No, I'm not. I'm the least, I'm the least, I'm the least, I'm the least. But yet in obedience, he pulls down the idol, he gets a name change, he overhears a dream, and he is a mighty man of valor. The things that God says about you, treasure them, store them, declare them, speak them over yourself, speak them over other people. See yourself through God's eyes. How does God see me? How does God see my circumstances? How does God see, see my future?